It's not easy cheering. And come on, you can do a lot better than that. Just encourage him. He even went and bought a brand new shirt just so he could look the part. Isn't that great? And uh, just uh, blessed to have him as part of the team. He's a young man. Are you 24? Yeah, 24 years old. Isn't that great? I was absolutely fearful uh, just to speak in front of people, just one-on-one. And it's a, it's a daunting thing. But to see some of these young people and what God's doing is absolutely fantastic. He is the youth leader and has a great youth team. And, uh, uh, you know, his work's under Charles, and we're really blessed to see what God is doing. Uh, this week, my wife's been away, and uh, I've been batching. And uh, I, you know, whenever my wife is away, I do a lot of pastoral care. Uh, I either invite people over, uh, and I say to them, listen, when you come over, bring food. Uh, I did have uh, Dan and, um, and Jackie over. And uh, they cooked a meal for me. It was absolutely fantastic. They were so good, they're invited back once a week now to cook. Um, But it was really, really good just catching up with people this week. Also, Pastor Charles and April are away on holidays. And we are in school holidays. There are a few people away. If you are visiting here today, we want to give you a warm welcome. And uh, we we do pray that uh, you'll get something out of the meeting, that, you know, God will speak to you, that... Uh, if you have a need, I'm very conscious that uh, there are people here today they, that you do have needs and we pray that God will meet those needs in whichever way that you need. I, I did, as I was praying this week, I don't know, uh, this doesn't happen to me too often, but I did feel that there's a person here today and you've had trouble with your left ear and it's been, I don't know if it's ringing is the right terminology or word, but you've been having trouble with your left ear. And if that's you, come and see me after the meeting and I'd love to pray for you. This morning I've changed my message. Um, I had, uh, I think it was eight pages, I've cut it back to four. How many of you are happy about that? Put your hand up if you're happy about that. You're all excited thinking, thank God for that. He's not going to go on all morning. Um, And the reason being is I was going to launch a particular series that I want to do uh, and I believe that our church needs to move into. Uh, but because we're on school holidays, I'm going to just wait for a couple of weeks till uh, some of the other people come back too so that we can, together as a church, move forward in this new season that I believe that God is bringing us into. Today, I just want to open my heart to you about some of the things that, as a pastor, um, I'm burdened about. Is that all right? How many of you? My wife's not here to whinge, so I thought I'd whinge to you. Is that, is that okay? It's not a whinge. It's something that I carry in my heart, and I carry these things quite heavily. Uh, One of the responsibilities, and this isn't one of the things I'm going to talk about, but it is one of the things I am consciously aware of, is I pray that we have a church that is a caring church. Uh, You know, as a pastor, uh, my heart is to care for people. Uh, The hard thing is, how many of you know that I'm only one person? And uh, if statistics are true about church stats, you really can only um, know or connect with about 80 people. And so even if I did my best, even if I was out every night, even if I opened up my home 24-7, I don't have the capacity to care for everybody. But one of the things that I do carry is when new people come to this church, I wonder how they feel. I wonder if 
they come into a caring environment. And I believe that, you know, caring starts from the moment they drive into our car park. You know, this morning I was in my office and I overlooked the car park and I saw Sean... Uh, just Edie, just uh, helping some people. You know, it was a couple that had uh, a, a child, and just just overseeing them with the with the their pram. And I thought to myself, isn't that fantastic? And I think to myself, when people are walking through our doors, do they care? You know, feel cared for? Uh, I, I think to myself, I wonder if they feel welcome. I wonder if new people come in and they sit in the back because they feel like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure about where I should sit. So I think about all those things. Do you think about those things or is it just me? It's just me. So do you know what I think would be absolutely fantastic? If we could create a culture in our church, and this is not just on a Sunday, but wouldn't it be great if uh, you could pastor, help me pastor the people uh, on a Sunday particularly the ones in your row. Just for a moment, just have a look in who's in your row. Can you do that? Just look to the left and look to the right. (laughs) Who is sitting in a row that you don't know all the people? Put your hand up if that's you. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Geordie, you know these guys. There's only two of them. One of them works with you. That's how much pastoral care goes out the window with you. That gives me great hope. But wouldn't it be great if we created an environment that when we came to church, we, weren't, we didn't come with, I wonder if someone's going to care for me, but I wonder who I can care for. I guarantee you that there's people here today that are hurting. I guarantee you that there's people here today that are walking through some things that are very, very difficult. And you know... It's a lonely place when you're walking through those things. And I just thought if we could create a culture where pastoral care is not a department. It's not stimulated because we get a group of people's names on our database. And then we go through the database and we check, well, I wonder who's missing and I wonder who's there and I wonder who's not there. Which, you know, you sort of need to to also do, because remember in Luke chapter 15, it talks about the 99 sheep. So obviously, the shepherd had knew the number of sheep, and he knew that one was missing. So there is a system, and there is the realities that as your church gets bigger, that you do need to have systems in place that we can actually care. But I think there's a higher way. Wouldn't it be great if we could create a culture that when you come to church... Wherever you sit, you take responsibility for that row. Wouldn't that be great? I wonder what would happen. I wonder how the church would change. And I just wonder if everybody said, you know, if everybody came in with that attitude, today uh, I'm sitting in a row and I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to talk to the people in my row. You might not get to them, you know, during the service, but we do have coffee. And if you can all just, if we could all do that, I, I just wonder what would happen in our church. And so I'm going to ask you as a church to think outside your world. Most of us live in our own little world. Can I say this? If you want to be healthier and you want to grow, think about others. So just have a look in your row one more time. Could you do that? And why don't you make a decision today to just go, you know what? I don't expect you to get into deep, deep conversations But why don't you go and say hi after and meet somebody different and 
tell them who you are because I'll tell you what, not only will they all be blessed, I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. Is that all right? Can we do that? Because if we could do that, I think we will have a, a loving culture, a culture that when brand new people come, because look, I, I've gone to places where, you know, uh, I went to my wife's graduation and, uh, you know, they, they funneled you in and you got in and you sat down, you went through the ceremony, but it was a ceremony because there was no relationship. This is not a ceremony, this is the family of God. And I think if we can grab a hold of that, we can change uh, the, the atmosphere in meetings, which I think is really, really important. So I'm not even, that's not even one of my burdens. That's just, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Is that all right? Okay. Here are two of the things that I carry as a burden. The first one is prayer. Um, you know, I've looked at our prayer program or the, the life of our prayer in our church and I, I really believe that we need to uh, work in that area and we need to increase and we need to um, create greater opportunities for our church to pray corporately. It's happening at the moment through our connect groups. Uh, it's happening uh, through different departments, which is great. But how many of you know prayer changes things? And I believe it's the heartbeat of God for us to pray. You might not be aware, but um, we do actually have uh, brochures, and they're not, I looked at it this morning, and I thought it's most probably not that clear, but you can actually uh, put down for prayer requests. Now, I'm going to get them redone because they're a little bit, they're not as clear as I thought. Um, but I really carry a burden for prayer, and if you have uh, uh, if you have a prayer need, then we would love for you to fill in one of these brochures and we will pray for you. We also have a prayer team. Yesterday, our prayer team got four, uh, four people, ring them uh, and say, look, could you please pray? And we've got about 15 to 20 people who are on our prayer team. So if you have a need, what happens is, is our prayer team gets contacted and they will faithfully pray until you get a great uh, breakthrough. Isn't that great? And we want to make sure that we do that. So prayer is really one of those things that, uh, you know, God is stirring my heart about and I'm praying for as a pastor to see what we can do as a church corporately to increase the prayer life of the church. This is what I really believe. I believe that if we don't pray, we will not see people's lives changed. And how many of you stand with me on that way? And I know that the reason that we're here is not because of good leadership. And, you know, we've had good leadership. It's not just because of strategic planning. It's because people have been praying. And I believe that prayer changes lives. The second burden I carry, and this is the one that I want to talk about today, this is what I want to hone in on, is I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about, or maybe another terminology, is reaching out to people. And, um, you know, I've spoken about prayer and I've spoken about evangelism. These two areas have been my own personal struggles. I'm being honest with you as your pastor is I struggle sometimes to pray. You know, you might think that I wake up in the morning and I, you know, and I just pop out of bed and the first thing I want to do is pray. The first thing I want to do is eat. You know, I want to get that coffee, I want to have that toast and... Uh, you know, it's not the first thing I want to do. I struggle just like you do. Uh, the other struggle I have, and I'm being very, very honest with you, 
as I struggle sometimes to share my faith. And the reason for that is because I guess I, I work for the church. I, I live in a, in a world where I'm in contact with Christians on a daily basis. And you know what? That is such a blessing. But the reality is, is as good as that is, there's a world out there that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And my heart is that our church doesn't just live between these four walls. And it is a challenge to me. Evangelism and sharing my faith and creating those opportunities are a great challenge. And this morning, I want to talk about witnessing. I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about why we are really here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is what it says, and most of you know the scripture, and you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, the power that God gives us is not just to be blessed. I'm glad that God has given us the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, it says that the Holy Spirit comforts us. Aren't you glad for the comfort of the Holy Spirit? This morning, as we're in worship, I just sensed his presence, and I just sensed that God was comforting me in some of the areas and some of the things I'm walking through. I thank God that the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. Sometimes when we don't know what direction to take, the Holy Spirit comes and he guides us. The Holy Spirit is there to convict us. Sometimes when we're not doing the right things, there's that that, that, that uh-uh of God, that, that conscious prick that comes and says, hey, you're not going the right way. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But really one of the main reasons that God has given us the Holy Spirit is to be his witnesses is to be able to witness and share our, his love with people. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, it says this, the harvest, the harvest, or our communities, are in need. The harvest is plentiful, but it goes on to say this, but the workers are few. Then it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. It seems like there's a correlation between prayer and witnessing. There's a connection, there's a divine link in the way in when we pray, it's linked to uh, releasing passion and desire in people that are in church to go into the harvest. And that's one of the aspects of prayer. But I believe that prayer has been given to us and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to stir passions in our heart so we can reach the lost. About 20 years ago, something shifted in my heart. I have been pastoring for 35 years. I know you're looking at me and you're thinking, surely not. You don't look 35 But I've been pastoring for 35 years. I've seen uh, churches, great churches. Um, I've seen churches do some fantastic things. But the the danger that churches find themselves in is that we we stay in our four walls and we internalise and we lose what our real mission is. Our mission is to reach the unchurched, the unsaved, the lost. The Bible gives a lot of terminology on trying to capture the heart of God for people. 
And I've got to be this honest with you. It's, it's really comfortable and loving and it's a great environment to just live in church life. But I have to keep reminding myself that this church is not here for you and me. We didn't buy the warehouse just so we could have another building. We are here to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ, to take his message of hope, love and truth to our communities. And about 20 years ago, something shifted because, you know, you can live as a pastor and you can enjoy the benefits of church life. But 20 years ago, one of my other passions is to shop. I actually like shopping. I'm married to a very strange person. Uh, I can say that because she's not here today. My wife hates shopping. I think something's wrong with her. I must admit there is a benefit, and that is that she doesn't spend money. (laughs) I spend the money. But I really like to shop. And uh, at the moment, one of my favourite things is to shop for my grandson. Uh, I see him today at four o'clock. I'm very excited. (laughs) And uh, last week I bought him booties. And these little booties, and I bought him socks and this little top. I love my nonno, which means I love my grandfather, you know. So, but I love shopping. I even like food shopping. Uh, my wife hates any kind of shopping. I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, I love going to the supermarket. I love going up and down the aisles. I think it's all the colours on the shelves. That, that's what I think it is. I, I, I was thinking to myself the other day, why do I actually like going food shopping? It's weird, but I think it's the colours that attract me. There's all the reds and the yellows, and I don't know, they just capture me. And then I look at the packaging and I think, gee, I'd like to eat that. <laughs> I'll buy it and I'll bring it home so Meredith can cook it for me, you know. <laughs> I like clothes shopping. It, it sort of gives me a break. It's just, it's just what I like to do. And 20 years ago, you know, Ed, the, the company Ed Harry came out and um, I actually met the director I was counselling him years later. Um, but, but anyway, I was, I was shopping at Ed Harry's and um, I walked into this particular store. I was living in Adelaide. And as I'm walking in the store, I, I noticed the, uh, the, the, the person who was, who was there in, in, uh, you know, selling clothes. And I noticed, I picked up very quickly that he was broken. He was a broken person. My heart went out to him. I was there to shop. Well, I thought I was there to shop, but my heart went out to him. And what happened over the next three months that every time I went past that shop, I stopped in to say hi. I didn't buy something every time I walked in, but I found myself gravitating back to him and back to the shop because I felt that God wanted to let him know how much he loved him. So I kept coming, going back and I began to just, you know, have conversation and, and his name's Brad and um, I, I um, you know, kept going in and I kept joking with him and saying, what new stock have you got? And we really, you know, connected. And after about a month, he asked me, so what do you do? Now, sometimes it's easier for me to witness because when they ask that question, it quickly prompts me to tell them what I do and I can engage 
it's quite easy. I think sometimes of people that, you know, you, you don't have the title of a pastor, that's not what you do. It, it must be harder sometimes to engage in witnessing. But for me, it is an easier way to get started. And so I told him, I look, I, I, I pastor in a church and cut a long, long story short, after three months of going in and out, I eventually invited him to church. Uh, we had a special event on. Uh, actually, we had a person talking on sexual brokenness and this young man was so sexually broken that I thought to myself, God, if he could just come to this meeting, you could do something in his life. He came. He sat next to me. I got him to sit next to me on the front row and, you know, I'd been telling some of the people uh, on our team about him and as soon as he came through that door, let me tell you, Everybody just made him feel welcome. Can I please say this to you? Church starts the moment people walk through the door. You don't know what people are carrying. You don't know what people are walking through. And your, your ability to reach out will determine how much they're going to open up their hearts in a meeting. If somebody comes in and they feel, you know, not received or unloved, they, they can, you know, your heart's a very funny thing. It's a very sensitive area of your life. Your heart can shut off very quickly. And I don't know if you've ever walked into a place and you felt unwelcome. You, you just begin to put up some walls because we're all the same because we, we want to protect ourselves. But this young man walked in and, and the team just was, was all over him in a, in a good way. They weren't disrespectful. They were respectful of who he was. But they had genuine love towards him. And as he came and sat next to me and I... I uh, you know, it's funny when you bring somebody to church, you look at church through their eyes. You don't know how many times I sit on this front row and I think to myself, I wonder what it's like for a brand new person to walk into our church. I wonder if they're understanding what's happening in our meeting. I wonder if they understand worship. I wonder if they understand cheering. I wonder if they can connect. To me, I don't just think about the people that are have been coming to church for a long time because we've got our own sort of culture. I think about the unchurched. And as this young man was sitting next to me, I was just saying, God, touch his life. When the speaker got up to speak, this young man just wept through the whole message. He ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. That was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was so full of joy that, that that made that made everything I do just it was just amazing and uh, that young man is still in church today. I preached in Adelaide about six months ago and uh, in another church and he actually heard that I was in town and came to see me and I was I was so thrilled and he said to me Nick I'll never forget that first meeting and what God has done. And thank you for telling me about Jesus. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to witness and see somebody come through to the love of Jesus Christ? That's what this is all about. And if we fall short of that, then we miss really what God wants to do. The other experience that changed my life and changed the way I think about church was when I was doing itinerant 
ministry. I had just handed our church over in Adelaide. I transitioned it to another pastor and I was doing itinerant ministry, which means that I wasn't actually pastoring a church, but I was sort of in between churches. It was actually the church before I came here. And so I was itinerant. It means that people would invite me to speak in their church and I would go. And that's how uh, we, we did life for about a year until I came here. During that period of time, a friend of mine that I'd also uh, been in part of their journey of giving their life to Jesus Christ, he was a comedian. And um, I've shared a little bit of the story, but he began to run a course for the unemployed and uh, the course was called Stand Up With Confidence. And he rang me one day and it was a government-run course and uh, he and his wife uh, were given the opportunity to run these courses uh, once a month with 20 people. 20 people who'd been unemployed for years. There was one guy that went through the course, had been unemployed for 20 years. You don't know what that does to a person. And he said to me, Nick, could you come, can you and Meredith come, and can you lecture twice and Meredith lecture once? And I said, what do you want me to lecture on? He goes, listen, just lecture on confidence and the the journey that people have to go through. Now, here's the thing, you can't talk about God, but you can talk about his principles. How many of you know, you don't have to talk about God. God's love is entwined in every principle that we live. So I went there and see, I'm used to, um, you know, when I'm publicly speaking, I'm used to people uh, that love me. Well, I think you love me anyway. I hope you, how many of you love me? Put your hand up if you love me. Thank you. Who who doesn't? Who, Who wants to put their hand up? Jordan, just keep that hand down. So I walk into an environment where I'm actually quite comfortable. You know, I'm comfortable, I, I feel loved, I feel appreciated, uh, I feel connected. But now I'm walking into this environment that no one knows me. Uh, it doesn't matter how Dave introduced me, it meant nothing to them. They didn't care who I was. And I want to tell you something, they looked very angry. They looked bored, they looked angry. They looked like, you know, who the heck are you and we have to sit through your lecture. All of a sudden, it awoken me to the reality that we live in these four walls, but what goes on out there is totally different. And I lectured in stand-up with confidence for two years. I saw unbelievable change Because people came and they sat in an environment for two weeks, morning till night. They were given breakfast, lunch and tea. The first three days, it was like banging your head against a concrete wall. But, you know, as they began to see that, you know what, these people genuinely care. These people genuinely want to take you somewhere. We saw changes in their life. Uh, this, This man who had not been employed for 20 years got a job. The, the employment organisation was shocked. Not only did he get a job, but he had isolated himself so much that he lived, literally lived in a room, had no contact for his family. The change was so dramatic that he reconnected with his family and all of a sudden his personality began to unlock. Uh, you know, the funny thing was this, that we had a couple of Christians come to this course. They came up to me one day and they said, you know what? 
you should be a pastor. He said, mate, you, the, the way you do things, I tell you, you know, you should be, do you know Jesus Christ? And I had to pull him aside and say, actually, I am a pastor. And uh, it was amazing to see. Why is that? Because the love of God was there. So it changed the way I thought. So it changes the way I think as a pastor. As much as I love what we call church and what we think about church, let me tell you this is my heart is to reach the unchurched. If this church stays just inside these four walls, we will not fulfill the commission that Christ has given us. And it's very easy to do, particularly now that we've got a brand new building. This is nice. I like those seats. They're comfortable. They don't break when you fall, when you sit on them. How many of you remember the early days? The white seats when brand new people would come. You know, I remember twice, two new people came and the chairs gave way. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, how are we going to build this church? This is nice. We've got a great cafe. But can I be this open? It's not for us alone. And I just wonder how aware are we as a Christian community of the unchurched. This week, Pastor Charles was away and, you know, some of our guys are on holidays. And so on Friday, Geordie and Jean, they were there to assist me. So they came in at 9.30. We went through a whole list of things that they wanted, you know, that I needed them to do. One of the things on that list was to go shopping. I sent them to a particular store at the DFO because six weeks ago I met a young man who I happened to walk into this particular store, started a conversation with this young man and realised that God was after him. And so I connected with him and as we started to talk, other things came out and the reason I'm not telling you the whole story because the whole story is not finished yet. So I said to these guys, I said, Geordie and Jean, part of your work today is to go to this particular store to go and say hello to this person and invite them to church. They went. They thought it was the best part of the list. They went and they were there for, I think, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Now, Geordie did buy his shirt. Stand up, stand up, Geordie. Look at the shirt, everybody. I think you need to give him a big clap for that. That's a great shirt. He did buy a shirt, but they were there for 20 to 30 minutes talking. Now, he wasn't there, but they talked, I think, to two or three other staff. I happened to have coffee with someone yesterday at DFO and happened to walk back in. And the manager of the store remembered me and she said, your two guys came in. They were funny. They were great. I think I'm going to come to your church too. See, let me say this to you. If all we do is live in these four walls and we forget what we're supposed to do, we'll enjoy life. We'll have some good times. We're not going to see people's lives changed. I don't know 
why you're here today. I don't know how you got here. I know that I got saved. I got to know the love of Christ because someone had the courage to witness to my mother when I was five years old. It changed her life. Sometimes I feel like people are crying out from their spirit, but there's no one to answer the call. There's no one to be able to reach out to them. Today, without, I'm not trying to condemn, I'm not trying to point a finger, I'm just wanting to ask some questions, just to see, really, where we're at as a church. Where are you at in your Christian faith? Because most of my prayer life, when I, if I'm honest with myself, is about me, myself, and I. I. I look at my prayer life and, you know, really, it's about me, myself. Sometimes I pray a little bit for my wife. And me. It's all about me, myself, and I. Sometimes life, we get so absorbed with life that we forget the purpose of life. So here's some questions. Let me say this again. This is not to condemn. This is not to point the finger at you because let me tell you this, there's three pointing back at me. But I have to ask myself some of these questions too. Here's the first one. When did you last pray for God to give you an opportunity to share your faith? When was the last time? Do you know... God is waiting for the workers to go out to the harvest. And it all starts with prayer. And I believe that if, if we can refocus and reprioritize the way we do life, I think life will be abundant, just like the Bible talks about. Here's a second question. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When was the last time you actually were able to, to share what Jesus Christ has done for you? Here's a third question. When was the last time you invited someone to, to a church event? Do you know, we print all these brochures. You should see how many brochures we print. Sometimes I'll find them on the floor. Sometimes I'll find them outside. And sometimes I think to myself, I wonder how many of these are just to remind us that there's an event. But actually, we, we, we do those brochures so that you can have something to give to someone that God will create an opportunity for you to invite. Now, we're all the same. We all live at the same address. I struggle just like you struggle. When was the last time you asked if you could pray for someone? You know, people, have you ever, have you ever met someone and you, they've got a need? And... Um, we go, oh, man, that's, that's tough. Man, it's really bad. It's, it's really tough you're walking. I just wonder what would happen if we took that extra step and say, look, you know, I, I've, got, I've got a faith that, that God can meet your need. Can I just pray? And you might not be able to pray in public, but you might be able to pray for that person at home. I, I met this lady uh, in a particular store. I'm not going to say which one because I, I, I'm, I'm just being careful because some of these stories that I'm working on aren't finished yet. But this particular lady, uh, she, she stands at the front of a store. She greets people as they, as they come in. And, uh, you know, I always say hi and, and try and be as friendly as I can. I smile. And, and um, as I'm 
you know, stop and I, I talked to her every time I'd go back. One day I went in and she was very emotional. She actually started crying. How many of you know it's embarrassing if you're, the, if you're working in a store and you start crying? And I'm thinking to myself, man, this, is, this must be very hard for her. But she was so burdened with the situation she was walking through that I was just compelled. I said, listen, and I couldn't pray for her there, but I said to her, I will be praying for you. I've met her about five times since that time. And I say to her, how are you doing? She goes, you know what? Some things have changed. Now, she hasn't given her life to Jesus Christ yet, but something's happening. Who knows what God is doing? Who knows what God is up to? When was the last time you helped someone in need? Do you know, sometimes, and you must think, gee, you really do spend a lot of time shopping, but, you know... (laughs) You know, I, I do. Sometimes I go to the uh, supermarket, and and you see some of the older folk, and they're struggling with those trolleys, or they're struggling with those, you know, with, with those, you know, grocery bags. It doesn't take a lot for you to just take a moment and say, "Can I help you?" Now these days, I must probably say no and belt you up if you try, because <laughs> you know we live in a culture that you can't trust anybody. Or if you're standing in the queue, just sometimes turn around and say, G'day, how you doing? Long line up. Uh, Or you do what I do, I get really frustrated in queue, so I try and look around and go, where's the shortest one? And then I I run to the shortest one, I think, beauty, I'm going to fast track, and all of a sudden somebody says, price check, and then I'm there for the next half hour. Could it be that sometimes God puts you in a queue because he wants you to talk to someone. Have you ever thought of that? Could it be that sometimes there's a need in front of you that it's not about the practical need right in front of you, but there's something deeper that God actually wants you to connect with? I'm very challenged every day when I go outside these four walls, and those of you that have you know, sort of hung out with me, I... I I try very hard to be very friendly to anybody that serves me. I I wonder what their worlds are like. Or sometimes when you park in the car park over there and you you see people are frustrated. and I I think there's opportunities around us all the time. I just think we're not awake. I just don't think we're aware. And I've got to say this to you. I'm I'm not standing up here today saying, hey, look at me. And look at some of the stories I've got. I'm challenged with this myself because I want to live in my own world. Sometimes I'm tired. Actually, the reason I connected with that young man was because I remember being in my office. I had appointment after appointment after appointment, and I just needed a break. But I did feel the Holy Spirit say to me, just go for a walk. And as I walked into that, that, that particular shop, it was like I was drawn to this young man because God was working on him. And he just needed someone to connect with, to bring him maybe to a place of purpose. Here's some of the reasons why we don't share our faith. Rejection, fear of rejection. Now, let's be honest. How many of you are fearful of rejection? I hate it when, the, when somebody rejects me. I, my experience is that it doesn't happen too often. I think that's just a lie from the devil. I think take a risk. You know what? Even if someone, you know, does give you a little bit of a hard time, hey, it's not the end of the world. 
I think we need to be bigger than that. You know, you know fear is a terrible thing, and we're, we're supposed to overcome it. And if, if that's the stumbling block, then can I just say to you, do you know what? Jesus was rejected. It's a part of life. God will help you. Uh, maybe you don't know what to say. You will be surprised... Because if the Bible's correct, in John chapter 16 it says this, that when you engage in his purpose, he will give you the words that you need to speak. I've been in situations where sometimes I haven't got a preconceived idea, I haven't got any thought, but as soon as I engage somebody in a conversation, it's like God helps me and gives me the right words. And while I'm on that, do you know how many people get frustrated because they say, well, you know what, you can't use the gifts of the Spirit in church. Why don't you try using them outside the church and see what happens? Do you think the gifts of the Spirit are limited to just these four walls? Do you know how many people get frustrated with me and say, well, pastor, there's not enough prophecy, there's not enough words of knowledge, there's not enough this? Well, if you read the Bible, the Bible, most of the gifts of the Spirit that Jesus used were outside the synagogue. You think that God can't give you a prophetic word or he can't give you a word of knowledge outside these four walls? Well, what sort of a God and what sort of a spirit do we have, do we carry? I have, you know, all you have to do is read John chapter 4 when Jesus met the woman at the well. He just, what did he do? He just engaged in a conversation. He got into this conversation with her because it wasn't that he really wanted a drink. He was thirsty. There was definitely some, some natural things happening there. But let me tell you, there was something deeper. And friends, let me tell you, there's always something deeper. You know, if you're frustrated with spiritual gifts, then pray because, boy, oh, boy, there's so many people that you could engage with, with great wisdom to connect with. Just read John chapter 4. You will see that Jesus gets a word of knowledge about her. She didn't just have one husband. She had five husbands. Then he prophesies. The impact on her life was so great that she literally went back and affected her community. Boy, I long for those days. These days, it's like this. Well, what was Sunday? Oh, yeah, it was a good meeting. Really, really good meeting. I want to hear things like this. Boy, you should have seen what happened during the week. Man alive, you should have seen what God did during the week. Let's be honest and let's be realistic. Do you know we spend two hours in church on a Sunday? It's not a lot. We maybe go to connect groups and maybe we, we, we have some extra you know, thing that we're involved in. If you're a music, musician, you come to music practice. But if that's what Christianity is about and that's the end of it, then you know what? It's pretty shallow. And when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in its abundance, I don't think he meant just when you get together and come and do church. Now, am I discrediting that? Not at all. Because this is very, very important. Coming together and connecting and having fellowship together and and connecting with God and worshipping God is absolutely crucial for our development of our faith and the development of relationships that we have. But friends, let me say this. It's about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not limited to these four walls. Maybe... 
you're not confident to invite someone to church. And maybe you might think, well, you know what? I find it difficult to bring people to church because I'm not sure what's the right meeting to bring to. That's why we do have events. That's why we do give you opportunity and we, we advertise those events because we're trying to create opportunities for you to invite people to come and for myself. Maybe you think that people aren't interested. Let me tell you something. People are more interested about spirituality than you think. Watch your television. Have you noticed how many spiritual programs there are on the television? People are more aware about spiritual things than you think. People are actually searching. The reason that people turn to the new age or people turn to spiritualism is because there's a hole in their heart that hasn't been filled. And if we don't guide them to the truth of that, people go into deception. People go into all sorts of things. You know, this is why I say to people, I I say this to people, I say that Australia is a very spiritual nation. People go, no, no, it's not. Hear my terminology. It's very, it is a spiritual nation. This nation cries out for spirituality. Now, it's not a godly nation, but it is a spiritual nation even though many of them are diverting their spiritual hunger to wrong things. There is a spiritual hunger in this nation. Don't be fooled. People want to talk about spiritual things, and we as the church do have the answer. Maybe you think this way. People never make a commitment after I've spoken to them. Do you know what? Jesus had a lot of conversations with people. They never made that commitment. It's a journey. When I first met Meredith, well, I better just rephrase this. When I first met her, she just fell madly in love with me. She was ready to marry me like that. She, how many of you men have had that experience? You know what I mean? You, but she just, when she met me, as soon as she saw me, she threw herself at my feet and says, you're the one. I'm going to marry you. You are the one. She had to go on a journey. She had to realise I was the best shot she had at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's okay, I can say that she's not here. What, what happened? And it, I was the same. I didn't go, you know, I, I didn't all of a sudden go, wow, I'm going to marry. What, what happened is I went on a journey because love grows. You don't fall in love. I've said this many, many times. It's not like there's this huge hole in the ground and we're all looking for this hole to fall into and then when you fall in it, you, you, you're dying to get out. Well, come on, let's be honest. You know, these days here, this whole concept of falling in love, you know, and I watch some of these young, young people, you know, they're like, where's the hole? Where's the hole, pastor? Where's the hole? Oh, there's no holes in this church. I'll go to another church. Where's the hole? Where's the hole? I want to fall in love. If that's your experience, you'll fall in that hole, man. You'll be wanting to dig yourself out of there for the rest of your life. Love is a growing experience. And so what, how can it be that when you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, they have to investigate. They're going on a journey. Something is happening in their heart. There's something that happens. And so don't get discouraged if you've been sharing the love of Christ to someone and they don't make a decision straight away overnight. It's a growing experience. They have to go on a journey. You're sowing a seed that God will be, take responsibility for that to grow. You just sow the seed. So here's some things that I hope we can start to engage with, because that can help. Number one, 
look, I'm talking to myself too, but why don't, why don't you go on a bit of a journey? Maybe, you know, you, you really have a desire, but you've maybe just backed off a little bit and maybe you've just lost your way a little bit about sharing your faith. Here's, here's the first thing. Why don't you pray that God will give you an opportunity to share? I think it starts with that. In your morning devotion or your afternoon or night devotion, I was speaking to someone in our church the other day and I was thrilled that they pray every morning, God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. God, make me aware today. Now, it might not happen. Instead of, you know, an opportunity every day, why don't you just go for one a month? Why don't you start there? Because it takes faith. And maybe if you, if you, you know, you haven't got the, the courage or the faith, why don't you just say, God, this month, just this month, just give me one person. Could you imagine if that happened once a month? That's 12 opportunities. Could you imagine if it was once a week? That's 52. So it starts with prayer. Number two, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit can speak to you even while you're shopping? I don't like it when he interrupts me, but, you know, the Holy Spirit can actually speak to you while you're shopping. The Holy Spirit can invade and he can interrupt your thought process or even what you're doing while you're shopping. The key is, is can you hear his voice? But that's for another day. Be sensitive. You know, sometimes, let let me tell you how practical I am. I will walk into a place and I might not have uh, anything on my mind or, or, or an agenda. I might be just there to shop or I might be there just to go and have coffee or something like that. And in a split second, something can happen practically which will activate faith and the Holy Spirit can speak to me and I know his voice very, very clearly. And when I act on that, something happens. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Here's the third one. Use your own personality and your gifting. Don't try and be somebody else. Just be yourself. People can spot a fake. People know if if you're fake. Just be you. I tend to be a fairly uh, comical sort of person. Uh, If I'm talking to someone, I will start teasing them. How many of you have noticed that? I'll always have an answer. If you say something to me, I will back chat it. Uh, You know, it's just who I am. Uh, People seem to laugh. Some people get annoyed, but some people laugh. I just use my own personality. I'm friendly. I'm engaging. I'm relational. But you be you. God will help you. Here's another one. Carry something you can give someone. I've always got my church card, but... With these brochures that we have, look, we pretty well put on an event once every month. Take a brochure with you and don't take it just for yourself and put it on the refrigerator. That's not what they're for. Yes, they're there to remind you, but they're there because God could give you an opportunity and sometimes you just need something that you connect with someone and they they all of a sudden, they're interested. I don't know how many times this has happened. I actually find they're actually interested in what I'm saying and I'm able to give them something instead of just leave them without anything. Take something with you. Be prepared for God to open up that opportunity. The last one is step out and take a risk 
You just never know what can happen. Let me tell you, look, how many of you need some excitement in your life? Put your hand up if you need excitement in your life. And don't be all coy with me and go, well, you know, I'm not going to put my... Who needs some more excitement in their life? Put there. If you want to make your Christianity exciting, think about somebody else. Even today, look down your row again. Please go and look down your row. Can you look down your row? Look down your row. Come on, let's be practical. Look down the row again. Who thinks they've got the best-looking row in the church? Put your hand up. Yeah, I'm sitting in the best-looking row in the church. Who thinks their row needs a bit of help? Put your hand up. What would happen to our church today? Why don't we start this today? Why should we wait till tomorrow? Why don't today you come out of your, your world, take a risk, and just step out of your world and connect with someone that you don't know? Just try it. Might not happen for you, but don't let the fear of failure or risk Take away the abundance that God has for you. I tell you what, your world will open up. You, you will live an abundant life better than you think. Gee, gee, I've gone on. How many of you think I've gone on? Put your hand up. Yeah, great, good. Clarissa, come up here very quickly. Give Clarissa a really big hand. Here's some things. Here's some opportunities that are coming up. Now, look, we've got programs. Can I just say this? Here's a program. It's called Mums and Bubs. This is for mums, dads. They've got little children. They can come to these programs. You know, some people won't come to church, but they might come to something like that where they can connect with other people and talk about their babies. In, in a couple of months, we're going to start the Alpha program. I have been wanting to do this for about a year. But I've been praying that God brings the right people and that we can do this properly because I believe that Alpha um, has become, uh, you know, a, a, a program that is very acceptable by the unchurched. And so we're working on that right now. But we're also having a fashion parade uh, in the month of May. Now, the fashion parade is not just about us, you know, going up and down the walkway that we're going to do. Can, can I be one of the models? How many, of you think, how many of you think I'd make a good model? Put your hand up. Look at this. Look at it. Come on, people, please. The reason we're putting this on, Clarissa's going to tell you, it's an opportunity to maybe invite someone to church that would not come to what we understand as the normal Sunday church. So, Clarissa, come up here. Tell us about it. Okay, so the Fashion Parade's coming really quickly. It's going to be on the 28th of May. Uh, and I'm believing for 150 to 200 people to come. So I really need you to bring people with you. And it's a really good opportunity to bring anyone. And it can be someone that's never, ever set foot in church. That's even better. There's going to be no message, just lots of love and lots of fun. There's going to be pop-up shops around the outside. It's going to be a DJ spinning tracks for our fashion parade. There's going to be female and male models. It's going to be stylists giving a half an hour session on how to look taller, thinner and younger. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> but I need help. 
it's a really big event, probably the biggest that we've ever had as, a, as our women's department, and I need lots of help. I need probably six people to greet on doors so that as soon as people feel in, come in, they feel really welcomed. I need about four people backstage to help dress the models and make sure that everyone's in order and everyone's ready to go. I need probably ten models, female and male, of all ages. Lots of different people, huge range of clothes to appeal to lots of different people. I need a set-up team. We're going to have a proper runway down the middle, chairs on either side and shops around the outside. So I need help setting that up, probably about six people. I need runners to run and do different messages on the night, probably three of those. And I need people to help me with marketing, 150 to 200 women. So I need you guys to help take the pamphlets, hand them out, invite lots of people with you, make it a night that you catch up with people you haven't seen for a while. Bring five or six friends and come and have a bit of a social night and raise money for our cause as well. But yeah, I need your help. So if you're interested, come and see me or come and see Lisa And I'm sure there are other jobs that will pop up along the way as well that I haven't thought of yet. But don't feel that you can't do any of those things. Every single person, if you want to volunteer, there's a job for you. So you just let me know if you're willing. Oh, the proceeds. Uh, We're going to have a food bank to go out to the local community. Uh, But it's going to be cooked meals. Because not everyone um, gets the opportunity from family and friends to be blessed with a cooked meal. So... With all the proceeds, we're going to have a huge cook-up in our commercial kitchen. I'm going to fill our freezer with beautiful, home-cooked, healthy meals. And then as people come in through the local community, whether they've lost someone in their family, someone's unwell, uh, they're a a single mum, they're struggling, someone's just had a baby, all those things, that we just bless them. And we give them home-cooked meals, bread, milk, and a few extra special things just to make life that little bit easier and connect on a really real level. So it's a really good cause. The more money money we get, the more meals we can cook and the more people we can help. So, yeah, it's a really, really good cause. Isn't that great? Fantastic. Thank you. Can I have the musicians come very quickly? Uh, in, in July, we have Hope Tour. And we're going to be talking more about Hope Tour. Hope Tour this year will go to 22 schools. Pastor Charles is away at the moment, but uh, last year we launched it literally in faith and saw some incredible things happen. Uh, I'm not going to go on about Hope Tour. This is what I wanted to talk today was, you know, what is an attractional church? What is a missional church? Do we need to be both? And how do we become more missional in our thinking? So Hope Tour and the Fashion Parade is really about being missional-minded in what we do as a church. The other thing I just want to put your attention to is in September, when we lived in England, my wife and I lived in England for just over a year, we had an evangelist come through. He was a Scottish young man. I'll never forget the morning. Um, our church wasn't that big, uh, but um, you know we, we, we were getting quite a few unchurched people come to our church. There was a, there was a guy in our church... Um, he rededicated his life to the Lord three months after we got there. He was an evangelistic machine. Every time we had an event, he would invite 50 people. 30 would come and he'd be disappointed. 
And I said to him, mate, you are unbelievable. I, I, I wish I could get him here just to pray for, for us. Um, but it was one of those event days where, where I, um, uh, he invited some, some friends and I, and I had this ev- evangelist come. His name's Mark Ritchie. Mark Ritchie has been trained by Jay Johns. How many of you have heard of Jay Johns? Jay Johns is one of the great evangelists in the world today, especially in the UK. He, he is incredible uh, in his ability to just be open and share the gospel in a way, s- such a simple but powerful way. And uh, Mark has been trained by John. And so I really felt in my heart, we haven't done this, I haven't really brought visiting ministries through, uh, but I've invited Mark Ritchie to come. We're flying him all the way uh, from the UK. We're sharing him with three other churches. He himself is also a comedian. Uh, he has been in the Edinburgh uh, Comedy Festivals. Now, they are tough gigs. Uh, he doesn't swear. He doesn't say anything inappropriate. He is a full-on, uh, fully dedicated Christian. Uh, he's going to be here with us for three weeks. Uh, we're going to have him here for Father's Day. Uh, you will love him because he is, he is genuine. He loves people. He loves God. And he just has a great gift to share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. And he sees great results when he shares the gospel. Uh, we're going to put on a comedy festival. Uh, over the three weeks uh, on a Wednesday night. I'm praying and believing that our uh, warehouse will be ready for that. Uh, We'll we'll sell um, 150 tickets. Uh, We'll we'll have it over different nights. And I just want to create more opportunity for us to become missional. Is that okay? Who's happy with this message this morning? Who, Who would like to think, you know what? I'm glad the church is going down that direction. Let me say this. If we think about the unchurched, God will care about us. I have such a hunger and a desire to see this place full of people that need to hear the love of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 6 verse 8 says this. Whom shall I send? And who will go? Isaiah responded and said, Here I am. Send me. I, I pray today that I've been able to just stir. I've been able to just awaken something in you that maybe has gone dormant. Just wonder if every eye can be closed for just a moment. If today you feel like, you know what, Pastor, today you you just really pushed a button. You, You talked about something that I haven't thought about for a while. And just like the call went out to Elijah, to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Send me. If today you want to go on a journey and say, God, I I want to respond. I want you to use me. Here I am. Use me. Would you just lift your hand up just where you are? Just say, Pastor, today, this is, I, I want God to use me. I want God to begin to release something in my spirit. Father, today you see all these hands. Father, today I thank you 
Lord, I thank you that you haven't called us just to live in four walls and just enjoy our Christianity. But Lord, you've called us with a great mission, with a great commission. Go. I thank you that you call us to come to you. Lord, we come to you and you restore us. You revive us. But Father, I pray for the passion for the lost. I pray for a renewed passion in our church. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this song. Its words are, I've decided to follow Jesus. I pray that as you sing this song, that you get a new revelation that following Jesus is not just about Him saving you. It's not just about Him blessing you. It's about reaching the lost.